Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on this Tuesday. Our show today is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Today, we react to the heartbreaking loss Duke had last night against the Virginia Cavaliers. Reese Beekman for the Cavaliers knocks down a three pointer with under a second to play as Duke falls 69 to 68 against Virginia. Coach K responds to the media after the game finished. We'll hear what Coach K had to say and also want to give you a little update on what's been going on in the world of Duke lacrosse here as they've kicked off their 2022 season. Again, my name is JJ Jackson. I'm the host of this podcast. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. Be sure to also subscribe to our Lockdown Blue Devils YouTube page to watch the show daily. Thank you for making Lockdown Blue Devils your first listen every single day. Duke basketball falls last night 69-68 to Virginia as Duke uh, fell on the buzzer beater there for Bree Speakman at the end. The shot went through with .7 seconds left on the clock, a three from the left wing. When the officials went to review the time, they added four tenths of a second back. So Duke inbounded on the opposite baseline with 1.1 seconds to go. They got a full court pass in to Paula Bancaro, who attempted a three-point shot and just missed as Duke fell by one to Virginia. Now six of the last seven meetings between the Blue Devils and Virginia have been decided by two or less points. And this one, Duke had their largest halftime deficit of the season as Virginia led 34-29 at the break. So that was a five-point advantage for Virginia there at the half. In the first half, Virginia dominated on the interior at the break. They had a 26-12 advantage of points in the paint. Duke had Mark Williams in foul trouble a good bit there in the first half. And so Virginia was able to execute and take advantage of that. In that first half, Duke had six assists and six turnovers. So they did not share the basketball as well as they typically do. And that was a big reason why. Out of the break, to get started in the second half, Duke saw eight points quickly from Mark Williams. You could tell that he was fired up to be playing. And uh, he left the game with four fouls with 15.05 to play in the second half. So he had eight points within the first four minutes of that second half, really gets Duke back into the game. Duke could never quite get over the hump. They would always get it down to one or two, and then the lead would get back up to five or six, and then Duke would cut it back down to one or two, and then Virginia's lead would be pushed back up to five or six. In that first half, A.J. Griffin went scoreless. He was 0-5 from the floor. Bates Jones had some big plays in that first half as he went two of two from three-point range for six points. He did not play in the second half but had two big corner threes there in the first half and was one of the most positive spots for Duke in that first half again, where they trailed by their largest halftime deficit. Duke had the lead at 19-17 with 10.48 to go in the first half and didn't get the lead back until Jeremy Roach hit a layup with 4.02 remaining in the game to give Duke a 64-63 lead. Duke had a two-point lead with 51 seconds left offensively, 
They had not had a shot attempt from Paulo in the second half of play. Paulo gets the ball with Duke winning by two. Again, 51 seconds to play. And Paulo turned the basketball over. Virginia goes down and they're able to miss a, or excuse me, they're able to miss a jump shot. Duke grabs the rebound. It's Theo John that grabbed the rebound. But Virginia was able to sneak around, tie it up, force the jump ball, and they have to inbound underneath with 7.2 seconds left to go. Duke puts Mark Williams on the basketball, which is outstanding because Kihei Clark can't see around him. The Virginia point guard, who's not very tall whatsoever, so Virginia has to burn another timeout. Still, Duke leads by two with 7.2 seconds left to go. Mark Williams comes back out. Virginia changes to Reese Beekman being the inbounder, who throws it into Kihei Clark, who immediately swings it back over to Beekman. Duke was late, uh, miscommunication defensively from Mark Williams and Jeremy Roach. So Paulo has to chase from Kihei Clark over to contest a shot from Reese Beekman, who did look like he also could have been fouled on the play. He makes the three-pointer, and ultimately Virginia wins by that final score of 69-68. to A.J. Griffin was not a factor in this one for Duke. Only played 24 minutes. A lot of those were in the first half. He really was not that big of a factor whatsoever for Duke in that second half of play, which was really interesting to see. Uh, Duke had Wendell Moore Jr. and Paulo Bancaro play 38 minutes. Paulo finishes with nine points and nine rebounds. Again, he did not take but one shot in the second half, and that shot was uh, the last shot of the game with 1.1 seconds to go, and it really wasn't that good of a look. He had a costly turnover late for Duke, who, uh, again, they've lost four games this season by a combined total of nine points. Seen a lot of pessimism out there from the Duke fan base immediately following that game. I still think there's plenty of reason to be optimistic about this bunch. It is really frustrating to not be able to find out why exactly Duke has struggled in these late-game scenarios. That is obviously something that you would like to see fixed if you're a Duke basketball fan and something that I know this coaching staff is going to address. They've got to flush it away quickly as Duke plays again on Thursday at Clemson, and then they've got a game coming up on Saturday at Boston College. So a quick turnaround for this Duke team. Hopefully A.J. Griffin plays better again on Saturday. Hopefully Paulo can get back and, and shoot the ball, be aggressive, want to attack offensively. Again, this is a guy that's going to be the first or second pick in the NBA draft most likely and was a little passive and just wasn't really attacking the rim or shooting or, or really anything at all there in that second half. For the first time this season, he did not get to double-digit scoring. This was his lowest scoring output at nine points for the Duke freshman out of Seattle, Washington. When we come back on the other side of this break, Mike Krzyzewski gives you his thoughts on Duke's loss to the Virginia Cavaliers. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. There might be less football being played right now, but BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. For score points, total points, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Well, it's, you know, it, it, Big Men 
makes the big, the big play, the big shot. Um, you know, in the first half, we were we were not able to overcome them and what we just did, and we looked like a, like a different team. And we had to do a whole bunch of things to massage that game to where we're close at halftime. And, uh, and they, you know, they're a team you need a couple days to prepare for because they run their stuff so well. And they got, they have two really outstanding guards who don't turn it over. And their precision with Clark and Beekman is, is what makes them, one of the things that makes them really good. And they carved us up, you know, 20 of their first 22 points are in the paint. They had 52 for the game, but at the beginning, it was it was more cuts. And uh, we went zone a couple different things. And then in the second half, uh, I thought we played hard. And we were able to get stops and take advantage. We drove harder and took advantage of uh, their fouls. So we got to the line or completed and then, uh, you know, we put ourselves in a position to, want to win and we, just, we made two bad plays, you know, two really bad plays, one on offense and one on defense. And uh, that's all it takes. So, uh, and they made plays, so, um, it, it, it's a tough loss because of how it ended. But we did not, we were not worthy of winning most of the game. We, we finally got the lead and had, had an opportunity. But, uh, you know, they're good. And what my guys don't understand is like, these teams are fighting for NCAA bids. And, and they have they have such a rich tradition. I mean, they're they're an outstanding program, and they're they're playing really well. And uh, but their teams are hungry, and you know we got to be hungry after we've eaten. We got a big meal. We got to be hungry again. And I thought they were hungrier and tougher than we were tonight. No question. So any questions that you guys might have. Yeah, you mentioned two, quote, bad plays at the end of the game, and I was going to ask you about that, about what do you take from that? What does this team have to do to, to, to make those plays in those situations? No, you, like we made them against Clemson, we made them at the end of Gonzaga, you know. What do you have to do? You have to make a play. I mean, you, uh, you know, when you, if you get the ball in the lane, you got to get a shot. You have to get a shot. And uh, we weren't able to get a shot. And then we missed a defensive assignment on the last play. And when you do that, you lose. You know, you, you lose. But we're collectively responsible for this. You know, I'm not blaming anybody. Yeah, uh, I'm just telling you, we make two plays. And, and we win.
but uh, we started out better and we went to. Coach, on the, on the last play in particular, Kihei wasn't able to inbound it, so they call timeout. Reese comes in and he's the one doing it instead. Was, was that a miscommunication issue with Mark and Jeremy? No, you just stay with your man. And, and we did. So it wasn't like a screen for the screener or, you know, we didn't stay with our men. And uh, you gotta stay with your man. Called a timeout early in the game. Uh, it seemed like uh, I think it was 8 2 at that point. Did you feel then like it was? No, I did not feel. I knew. You know, I knew. And we were fighting that pretty much the whole game. You know, I call fighting human nature. Not attitude, but human nature. And uh, yeah. it's tough to do multiple outstanding things. And, uh, but if you really want to be a champion, that's what you got to do. And we did not, we talked about it. We weren't able to practice it because, you know, you're dead after the North Carolina game. And, and just, walk through, talk, try to get mentally ready, and we were not able to get over that hump. And the other thing, they had a lot to do with this. It's, I mean, we might have been ready and they would have beaten us, but uh, we were an accomplice in the first half, definitely. You had a great night on the board Saturday night against Carolina. Uh, Virginia only sends two to the offensive class usually, and yet they got three putbacks that were critical. In fact, you called the timeout after the first one. Uh, I know that you got a lot of shot clocks, but players were leaving their feet a lot, and sometimes that's a trade-off, uh, trying to block shots because you lose your rebounding position. Uh, just your thoughts about the rebounding, and obviously it didn't get better. No, I think you said it right, so you should print what you just said. <laughs> yeah, we should keep our feet, we should block out. Okay, so how do you improve? Keep your feet, block out. So, it's so, why they call them human beings, you know. Coach, Coach, you talk about the championship mentality a second ago. Do you think a sequence like the last few days could do your team some good, considering you hope to be in this type of situation with one day preps when March comes around? No, we talked about it, that this is exactly what, if you're fortunate and you earn the right to play in the NCAA tournament, you have to, you're, if you win a big game on a Thursday or a Friday, you got a quick turnaround. You got a quick turnaround and you got to win another one. And, and, and you get, in order to do it, you got to win six. But uh, a lot of people win one. Then you got to win two and then you got a break. Then even more people win three, but not a lot of people win four. And uh, it's that, it's, I mean, I've done it my whole life. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a bridge you have to cross. And you have to learn how to cross it. And, uh, you know, we weren't able to do that in this uh, Saturday, Monday uh, thing. And you're always going to play against a good team. Like Virginia, it could be a, they could go far in the NCAA tournament. So you're going to play a team who's well-coached, veterans, and all that. And uh, after winning big, 
You know, there's no question we played great on Saturday and we didn't play well tonight. And they made us, they, they had a lot to do with it. So I'm not blaming at all on that because it takes away from their effort. They were well prepared and they did a hell of a job against us. It was tough to score against them. Hey coach, I'm just wondering, would, would you say it was more of a, a mental or a physical exhaustion for your team coming into this game? I don't think it's exhaustion. You know, we're not in the desert or on a forced march or whatever. It's, 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 you know, I call it not having a rear view mirror. You know, you, you, you can't look back. It's one of the reasons I've tried to do this season the way I'm doing it. So I don't fall into that. But I'm, I'm 74 years old. I've been through it where I've made my mistakes and will hopefully not make many more. But, uh, you know, these kids are going through it the first time. Yeah, and uh, and they're they're a good group. I mean, they they've done a great job, but we weren't able to do that tonight. And uh, and and when we're right there, you know, we, we we couldn't close the deal. We couldn't close the deal. Um. So just going back to the game winner. I don't see. Her. I'm sorry. Um, just go back to the game winner with Williams wanting Roach to switch. I can't hear a word you're saying. Sorry. Um, so just go back to the game winner with Williams wanting Roach to switch, Roach staying home. How often do you practice going to that sort of coverage after going to switch everything? Is it hard? Yeah, I don't understand a damn word you're saying. I, it's me or you're talking too fast or whatever. Sorry. And I, I apologize, but again, I'm not making fun of you. Please. Don't I, do that to me, okay? Right. I talk fast, don't worry. All right. So just obviously you do. <laughs> you do. On the game winner, with Williams wanting to wanting to switch with Roach on the inbounder, Roach staying home, how often do you practice? No, we don't we didn't do any switching. Yeah, it, it, it looked like Williams wanted to take the center and give Roach the inbounder, but Roach was staying home. No, there's no switching. You were man to man and we put a big guy on the ball so they couldn't inbound the ball underneath the bucket. So you shrink the court and have to go to that side. So there was no switching at all. It, is, it, is it harder to, to run so many assignments in the middle of a game, or is that just the base? No, no, it's, it's stay with, you know, just like write your article. Stay with your man. Yeah, so don't write someone else's article. Or do something, I mean, just gotta do what you have to do. It's not, comp well, at the end of the game, that was not complicated. That, that's not complicated. Last question, right side. Mike, uh, Paul Bancaro gets one shot. Gets one shot in the second half, that the last second. What was Virginia doing so well that kept him from well, the he, he, he's, he's touching the ball. He needs to take more shots. And he needs to take his jump shot. Yeah, he needs to take his jump shot. And with him, when he does get the ball, a lot of double teams. There's a lot of double, double teams. So then you got to pass out of it, and we got to hit shots. Then if we hit shots, they don't double team. I mean, it's, you know, it's part of, you know, making those adjustments. Our show today is brought to you by our friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why would you want to endure 
pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts of their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouses happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. Why choose to spend up to 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? That's right. Go check out Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Final segment here today of Locked On Blue Devils. Let's finish it by talking about Duke men's lacrosse. Again, one of my favorite teams to follow over the years within the life of Duke athletics. This lacrosse program led by John Donowski. Three times they've won the national championship. A really fun team to watch. They kicked off the 2022 season with two victories this past weekend. A 21-12 advantage over Robert Morris and then a 15-7 victory over number 17 Vermont. Vermont came in as the number 17 program in the preseason rankings by inside lacrosse, and Duke walks away with a victory. The pair of wins push Duke's home win streak to 13 games, dated back to February 1st of 2020. Recently, uh, earlier this week, we saw that Duke sophomore attackman Brennan O'Neill was named the ACC men's lacrosse offensive player of the week, and Duke graduate student goaltender Mike Adler was named the ACC Defensive Player of the Week, again following their performances in the 2-0 weekend for Duke. For Brennan O'Neill, he was outstanding as he registered a hat trick in the second half to help power Duke past Vermont. The second year pushed his career goal totals to 54 and registered his 10th and 11th career hat tricks because he also had a hat trick earlier in the weekend versus Robert Morris. That game he finished with a career high Six goals. The hat trick was able to be accomplished by the time the first quarter came to a close. Mike Adler was outstanding between the pipes in a 2-0 weekend for the Blue Devils as the veteran backstop made a combined 31 saves in two outings, allowing 19 goals and posting a .620 save percentage. In the season opener against Robert Morris, the Florida native had 16 saves in that 21-12 victory. Two days later, he made 15 stops and helped Vermont to just three second-half goals en route to the 15-7 win for Duke, who held the Catamount scoreless for 25 minutes and 17 seconds, with Adler making seven saves in that stretch. Adler leaves all active goalies in career saves with 619. He's 113 saves shy of moving into the top 25 of the NCAA all-time saves list. Duke will return to action with another two-game set this weekend as the Blue Devils host Manhattan on Friday at 3 p.m. before welcoming Jacksonville to Koskinen Stadium on Sunday at 1 p.m. Friday's contest will be available on the ACC Network to watch. Sunday you can watch it on the ACC Network Extra. Awesome stuff, awesome start to the lacrosse season for the Duke men's lacrosse program. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up on tomorrow's program, Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 Podcast will join us. Brendan Marks from The Athletic will stop back by with us on Thursday. So a fun week still to come right here on Locked on Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. 
We are collecting questions to be answered in our next installment of the Locked On Blue Devils mailbag. Any questions you have, DM us or send them to us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils or send an email, LockedOnBlueDevils at gmail.com. That does it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.